Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Okay, we're on the floor of the Mocha Arts Festival, uh, one of New York's oldest and most dynamic uh, comics arts festivals. And I'm here with Keith Knight, K Chronicles. Um, you got, I got a lot to ask him about. Uh, Keith, good to see you again, man. It is a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to see you, especially at the start of baseball season. Yeah, yes, absolutely. You know, Sox we got this Red Sox Yankees thing going on. Sox and doing too good. I guess I have to congratulate you. You don't know how to, that rips right. my heart out to have That's to say right. it. Um, uh, but that? there you go. I think Number I said four? it. <laughs> Can I get a selfie? <laughs> He's oh, got yeah. a Canadian institution. There's a whole hockey thing going on. I'm a Rangers fan, so here we go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, here, down, okay, this is We're getting our picture taken. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Oh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, it's a kind of a light thing going on. Uh, okay. Cool. <laughs> All right. All right, anyway. So, K Chronicles, think, what else did I miss here? Uh, the, uh, they shoot black people, don't you, the slideshow, and you've got a new slideshow, as I understand it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, doing the, the police brutality slideshow across the country, I just realized, like, it's, you know, it's it's way bigger than sure. than just police brutality, and that's, that's, that's well known, mm-hmm. but, like, I just came across the idea of, like, Americans are racially illiterate. Yeah. Like, and, and so I'm doing this For last show sure. on racial illiteracy and sort of trying mm-hmm. to put into context, like, the reason why we're here at this moment in time and how to get out of it, <laughs> you know. And, and the best way to do is is with knowledge. And, well, and, and, and so. Well, this is very interesting, guys, because you've been doing comics for a long time that have always had kind of wit and wisdom about life, about the hard knock life, about your own personal life. You've been able to be smart and funny. So yeah, so what's the title of the new, this new uh, thing that you're going? Well, I, I, the new ti- the title of the slideshow is taken from one of my old books, which yeah. is Red, White, Black, and Blue. Okay. Why America Keeps Punching Itself in the Face When It mm-hmm. Comes to Race. Um, but my new thing's collection, which I'm working on right now, is going to be called It's the Racism, Stupid. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and then the next Gay Chronicles is going to be a Keeper Madness. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's a, again, it's a mixture of humor, it's a mixture of politics, mm-hmm. um, of serious stuff and funny stuff, so it's a combination yeah. of everything. Now, before I let you go, I just want to ask you a little bit about Whoa. Yes. Yes, so, can you talk, can you tell me anything? Can you, I mean, you've been posting stuff about it, and well, woke. Well, is, well, just tell the fans here that my, our listeners a little bit. Yeah, about it. I'm developing a show uh, for Hulu, uh, based on my work, mm-hmm. a live action show. Um, we shot the pilot, mm-hmm. um, and now we're we're working on the post production. We're hoping to hear back uh, that yeah. it it will go to series. Um, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, 
But just yeah. looking at your post, it looks like it's been a, 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 a kind of a, an amazing experience. Oh, totally. uh, you know, seeing your your I mean, it's based on your comics, right? Yeah. So yeah. and seeing them brought to life, seeing the actors that you know are going to that do you, that are you and your wife. I mean, it's really kind of amazing. Uh, just from listening to what I read online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been amazing. It's like you know, the nicest story that I got from the set was. Um, because the, the the show sort of takes place when my wife and I aren't married, we're boyfriend yeah. and girlfriend, mm-hmm. and this woman comes up to me on the set and goes, uh, "Is Kirsten based on a real person?" I said, "Yeah." She says, "So what happens?" And uh, I say, "I married her," and just her eyes like lit up, and she was just like so happy excited. ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know. With a TV show, there's going to be lots of bad stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what we're hoping for anyway. (laughs) Anyway, look, Keith, I'm going to let you go here. We're on the floor and fans are screaming around here. It's good to see you. So good to see you. Thanks for being on More to Come. Appreciate it, man. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Okay, we're back on a slightly quieter, less noisy level of the Mocha Arts Fest in Manhattan. And I'm here with James Romberger, cartoonist, uh, Lower East Side art legend, um, for good gallery owner, Ground Zero, and we're talking about the original Ground Zero concept. James, uh, thanks for being on More to Come. Yeah, 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 well, you, you, it was a, another. Uh, how would you describe uh, Ground Zero, the gallery, the concept well, we were running from the gallery. East Village of the old days? Marguerite Van Cook and I. Yeah, yes, yes. We're Your wife for an and partner. We ended up getting a, uh, a storefront that used to be civilian market. I mean, the That's right. I've forgotten that. Always yeah. had these funky, funky yeah. quasi military yes. names. So. Yeah. If you haven't figured so, it out, James and I go back to yeah, East back Village days, 1980s. So we uh-huh. uh, we had to get we, we we were looking for a place, and the guy was moving out and getting a new dig. So he goes, "Well, you can use the rest of my lease." So we went into that gallery and we were living in the back and we we're like oh we have a gallery in front we might as well open it now so there was it was on 11th street at one point yeah it was 11th street and i remember yeah, right because i was in a show, group show one of there the first shows we did was just you know like a, a group show that we had moved yeah. to someplace else it was a one-night job then i did a show on my own and then robert costa came in and curated a show and he wrote such a great press release that grace glute came down her bicycle and yeah yes, yeah yeah and then you were in that show i was you did this yeah. beautiful drawing about baseball it was great yeah there was baseball shit in it yeah molecular and i got in the review i got and, a, I reproduced in the she review put it on the front of the yeah. sunday arts and leisure section with your drawing it was pretty cool. The page. It was pretty cool. Yes, it was a big <laughs> thing. Like All right, enough about me. But then you moved so to then, 10th Street. So yeah, and in we front of the park, different things. And basically, one of the things we were doing was like the title of Ground Zero was like, oh, we wanted to do things. I was like, do your most intense statement because the shit's all going to come down here hard. And then because this was the days when the Lower East Side was a yeah, it was battleground. Like it was really hardcore. It was drugs. It was yeah. It was urban. Uh, you know, blight. Urban. Uh, deterioration well, then, uh, and it was like you know poor people trying to make a living well then marguerite was coming from england where she you know been part of, you know, she was coming from the punk scene but she's also much more uh, kind of cerebral and and conceptual so she her whole thing was we have to transform the gallery every month through installations so artists mm-hmm. are encouraged to do installations and not necessarily 
anything saleable. Yeah. So we, we had quite a run of a couple of years of completely unsaleable shows. Now, you guys were really kind of a key uh, gallery on the Lower East Side. You certainly were for me. You were one of the early ones down there in the... Well, we were not the earliest, but we did show, the earliest. No, we you showed earliest. some key figures. Yeah. We, we gave David Wanarovich. Yes. Who, who, who did the show before? Right. Mine. Right. I did a different, you know, a second exactly. one. I did my first one. He did two shows with us, and one of them was right before you. Yes, heard. and it was an amazing show. So now... Well, look, we got to come back to comics. comics thing. So what <laughs> happened was, David passed away in, like, 90, 92, I think. Yeah, 92. So... David Wanarovich. He just did. Uh, he was just... The major show at the Whitney Museum was a yeah. big retrospective of his work, which, you know, mainly quite well known for being a, a very important AIDS activist and sort of yes, hero absolutely, to all absolutely. LGBTQ absolutely. you know young young people and yeah. all that so our book that we did in collaboration with him was called Seven Miles a Second yes. My, Marguerite Van Cook and I yes. worked with Dave Wanarovich on this as a collaboration the first edition was done by Vertigo mm-hmm. and they sold I don't know what 25,000 copies mm-hmm. of this thing then 20 years went by and Fantagraphics finally put it out in a hardcover version with the you know Marguerite's original watercolors restored beautiful, and restored the original beautiful, beautiful, beautiful vision beautiful version and design know. that you guys but had then unfortunately when, as the Whitney Museum opened their retrospective Wit Fantagraphics edition went out of print yes so at that point I, I talked to the head guy at and, and this is the Wonorovich uh, retrospective that opened last year yeah. at the Whitney yes yeah, yeah. So it's a major retrospective. I mean, yes, it's David it's as a, a major show. figure of the, tw- yes. the 20th century. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. then the book just went out of print. So I think the Whitney had bought the last 50 copies that Fantagraphics had. And I was like, I, I called up Gary and I go, you know, so what are you guys doing? He goes, well, I don't know, you know. That's Gary So Roth I said, well, can we, have, can we have the rights back? We'll print it ourselves. So mm-hmm. we did. We, we, we self-published. Uh, so, and you, you set up your own kind of publishing entity, yeah, so we too. started What's it Ground Zero Books. Yeah, okay. And now, you, can, you can Google that and find the site. That's not to be confused with the horrible, deathly yes, I mean, downtown. The, people uh, don't understand that Ground Zero was a concept of, of a kind of an urban, like, yeah. I don't know, creative, epicenter, like, epicenter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the it, most you, original name in the world, but no. it wasn't when they took it for that mess downtown. Yeah, and, it, and, and the East Village was a mess, but it was also a yeah. fertile ground for creative people. It was kind of like the last stand. Okay, so now we're publishing which, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, going from Vertigo to Fanographics, it's like you guys had a now, lot of publishers. going in backwards somehow. Yeah. We're in reverse. We're going back to self-publishing yeah. to start, and that's fine. But then since we, we have this Ground Zero books now, I had, like, a book, an interview with well-known 60s cartoonist, yes. magician, pop star guy, you've written Jim about Steranko, for many years. and, yeah. and it, mm-hmm. it gestated for like very, very yeah. long time. Finally, you know, Margaret was like, you really ought to publish this thing. So our second book from Ground Zero Books was The, the Self-Created Man, Jim yeah. Steranko, which now that's out, and that's more of an academic sort of look at... Because yeah, you write, ex- you know, you've written yeah. essays about Jack Kirby, Well, I wrote Rango, for you at Publishers and Weekly, and I've written... Yes, you've written for me and done interviews for me, but you've also published in the various, like, Kirby fanzines, Yeah, well, yeah, and in Comics Journal and all yeah, and comics so, journal so, as well. No, because you've written, written a long some, history as, yes. some some critical. As outspoken, I, have a, um, I have sort of a critical recorder of history uh, of the comics industry. Yeah, I have kind yes. of a critical <laughs> uh, an alternate self. You have a point of view. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes, you have a point yes, of view. Yes, Very yes, strong yes, point yes, of view, yes. generally speaking. Well, so now <laughs> let's see. And you want to know what I'm doing now? Okay. Yes. So who knows what? So I'm, this interview is because James is one of the foremost cr- uh, uh, cartoonists uh, I've ever met. Really, have. He's he's his work on in Ground Zero, which is also a comic 
strip right. uh, that we need to also talk about someone bringing that into print. Well, so this is why you, we're interviewing this man here well, today. So what, what's going so what on are you right working now? on now? Right now, let's see. I <laughs> uh, have to make sure the listeners know a, what the hell we're know, talking I do, about. Because I always like have one foot in the fine art world. I'm, I'm in a yes, show of course, at the, you're a I'm gallery in, in a show at the Seoul Museum of Art in South Korea. And I'm showing there, and I was showing it at James Fuentes Gallery. So I've got one foot in the fine art world, but then also I do comics. So I was self-publishing these other books, and I teach at Parsons. I teach like observational drawing and a couple classes. And we won't even talk about the band right Right now. Well, yeah, that's that's in hiatus. (laughs) But right now, I'm drawing a one-off comic for Uncivilized Books, which is a small place out of Minneapolis. Fabulous publisher. They did a great job for my post York, which is a Mm post-apocalyptic. Comic yeah. one off that I was nominated for an Eisner for. Plus. Yes, yes. But yeah, post okay, back, back to that in a minute. But but so for Tom now I'm working on a single one off issue for his new line of floppy comics. They call them yeah. regular comic books. They call yeah, them yeah. floppies, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, insulting. The, but the what traditional whatever. American comic they're like books. pancakes, but with art on them. <laughs> yes, but uh, yeah, and so well, that's a, a, that's a one-off story, and it's sort of about the artist Jack Kirby. It, it's about Jack, but it depicts a, a, an incident. So, so this is a story around that it's incredible it's phrase uh, or that that term that floats around. Yeah, no, nothing no. to do with that. It's just a, it's just depicts Jack sort of at the end of his life, and he's remembering something from earlier. In his oh, life. So no, I don't I'm really sorry, want to give right. up you what the story is. That's right. You told me a little bit it, about this. It's a, it's a little dramatized yeah. piece of his life that I kind of have. Have taken from two different incidents and put them together to yeah, make, yeah, so, make you know, a story my bad. that yes, makes no, sense. Because you, you mentioned something about. And then there'll be story. like a little essay at the back that yeah. explains some stuff about Jack's so when are we feelings about this? violence. Because he was really very much he created all the Marvel characters, but part of the whole thing is that he he went through World War Two. He went through a terrible upbringing in the Lower East Side where he had to, you know, yeah. beat people Fight up and get into in street fights. So he really had a grip on violence, and so I'm dealing with this little one issue thing and that'll come out through through uncivilized probably end of the summer uh, fall meanwhile I'm I'm almost done with turning post York which originally came out through uh, uncivilized books but it's going to come out through I think a lot more kind of heavy duty mainstream publisher but I, I refuse to tell you who okay. that is because That's the deal I don't want to jinx the deal. Happened yet? but that is now a hundred page book because I expanded the first like 36 page one off comic into like an entire trajectory of a narrative and it's kind of has it's sort of involved with some sort of film references but it's basically about you know what happens when the ice caps melt yeah. which they are doing yeah, yeah, as no. we speak uh, no, when the first a, one came out the day the first one came out was when Sandy hit in New York. Yeah. Mm. All right. Now we're just about to have a big chunk of Antarctica flop yeah, break right, off, right, and right. who the fuck knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Then. No. It's so, the story yeah, of yeah. Uh, New York in a, a yeah, and a stars in a post-climate like, apocalypse. Yeah, and I drew my son as the main character, so he's yeah. sort of floating through this like. New York is flooded completely. Like yeah. now, when you look at the High Line, you're looking down. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like 20 feet down under the water. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, no, it's story. a really interesting book. So, um, but it's a well, kind of a so reflexive. Doing, it's a what reflexive. What are you doing here at Mocha today? I was just walking around, really just looking, it out. and yeah. I was looking at some of the different school programs because there's a lot of these these universities are teaching comics now. Some of them are teaching like academic analysis of comics things. Mm-hmm. Then other people are teaching people to make comics which is you know it's yeah. all kind of problematic like in terms of like how do you how do you make a living making these things but 
the people here it's apparently do comics because they love them so much, which is <laughs> yeah, really an, it's an interesting that's development that's generally uh, you know, uh, what keeps this thing I mean going it's a very vital art form yes, and absolutely. that's what you're feeling you're like uh, you're like watching the surrealists kind of coalesce in front of your eyes or something yes, you're like yeah. this is a very important form of people doing the most intimate kind of personal communication that's possible direct to their to their audience and and Mocha, of course, it's, it's inspiring is a to watch them do it for yeah. that kind yeah. of art. That kind of art that really speaks from the heart and really, mm-hmm. like uh, you know, makes uh, a comics a passion. It's the most personal thing to I think that, mm-hmm. that there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, James. Look, this is terrific. Uh, you know, James and I go way back. And, you know, this guy was the first person, one of the one of the first person. You and Robert Costa. One of the first two people to give me shows in New York City, <laughs> and you were the first one person. You gave us, you yeah, gave me the first at yeah, Ground Zero Gallery. Yeah. You gave me my first one-person show, right? And and um, it was awesome. So get back to work. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> anyway, thank you for being on More to Come. All right, thank again. you, Calvin. All I right, appreciate it. Oh, welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor, Publishers Weekly, and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com and uh, publishersweekly.com slash comics. Okay, we're back on the floor, or the second floor, I guess, of, uh, uh, no, the first floor of uh, the Mocha Arts Festival here in Manhattan, and I have the great pleasure to be here with Kelsey Roden. Uh, we have been talking on the podcast about uh, her new graphic novel, Cannonball, and now I've got her here in the flesh to talk about it. So, Kelsey, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Oh, yeah, this is great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, all right. So, uh, well, as I said, we've talked about it on the podcast before. Usually, I think when we were talking about uh, spring graphic novels, uh, you know, a few months back, and then um, uh, Meg Lipke, PW's graphic novels review editor, because Cannonball got a starred review, uh, and in PW speak, that means that we think it's a really, really good book. Uh, so uh, we have a segment on a podcast called Stargazing. So we talk about your book, and it hasn't run yet, but it will run probably next week after okay, this. Right. But anyway, long story short, so uh, your, your book is fascinating. Uh, uh, this tortured, queer. Yeah. Uh, Writing genius, uh, 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 she seems to torture not just herself but everyone around her. <laughs> to have one of the more uh, oddly irritating but fascinating characters to encounter in any kind of fiction. Yeah. So, but so tell us. Uh, well, well, first, before that, tell us about yourself. Uh, tell us about your background, where you're from, all oh, that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'm from Kansas City, Missouri, originally. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh-huh. Great place to live there. Okay. Um, but I live in Brooklyn now, and uh-huh. uh, yeah, um, I primarily work as like an editorial illustrator, mm-hmm. but like comics are like where I think I find my voice the most. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, like Cannonball itself is like a project that I've been kind of toying toying with for like pretty much since graduating college, and I think like a lot of the emotions that you're picking up on mm-hmm. were the kind of like things I was feeling right before and directly after graduation. Uh-huh. And I wanted to channel them into, like, this character who kind of... Yeah, it is kind of unthinkable, in a way. Especially from my perspective now, mm-hmm. having worked on the book and, like, kind of toyed, toyed with this character for so long, where I'm seeing, like... In a lot of ways, like... Uh, I mean, she's not a very happy person. No, and, she's not. <laughs> and a lot of the reasons for that are all self-imposed. So yes. the entire the entire time you're kind of like wanting this person to like, you know, wake up and kind of smell the roses or whatever that's actually happening. And it's, sometimes it's really hard to do that. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, like creating this story, 
helped me like reevaluate my perspective too. Um, but yeah, like I also kind of enjoy an unlikable main yeah. <laughs> character. Well, so it, but, you might you might find that a lot in my work. Well, one of the it's yeah. one of the interesting things is yeah. you are going to get that sort of like the conventional yeah. writerly yeah. Uh, criticism of characters, well, certainly women characters mm-hmm. in fiction a lot. That oh, your character is unlikable. Well, yeah. this particular character is spectacularly unlikable yes. and yet there's a very interesting she's got an interesting network yes. of sympathetic um, you know personalities around her but yeah. but before we go further t- t- just give uh, our listeners a, a sketch of the plot of Cannonball okay so it's centered around I have to uh, check this every now and then yeah, so just my, excuse my, me that's okay yeah my voice levels <laughs> that's fine <laughs> um, it centers around like this character named Caroline Bertrand, mm-hmm. who um, is a recent graduate from an arts college, which it shares similarity to my life. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> which is, it's something that I wanted to write about, uh-huh. and um, I think thematically, I, I wanted to kind of express like or kind of delve into my understanding of like what conventional success actually means. Mm-hmm. Like, does it equal happiness? And the answer that I kind of came to was no. Um, but also, it depends what you're trying to like achieve with that so-called mm-hmm. success. Um, and I think there are a lot of happy characters that are like side aside from the main that kind of reflect that in the positive sense instead sure. of the negative. Um, but I also, yeah, wanted to explore that kind of darkness surrounding yeah. um, the immense like unknown that happens like right after you know you graduate from college, especially if you graduate as a creative or trying to do anything mm-hmm. that's sure. outside of like. Uh, more typical means of sure whatever. But Carolyn has, uh, I mean, she's a writer, yeah, uh, and she's and, and she's a very serious about being a writer, uh, and, and you could even say she has standards uh, that are are so high, so <laughs> hyper ambitious, yeah. uh, and hyper pure that it it's it, it's not just a craft anymore to her. It's it's either some weird combination of religion and obsession or, to be, yeah, and I, I to think capture this. Well, to think about the ideals. Yeah. The problem with her seems to be achievement. The yeah. actual achieving of these ideals well, kind of cheapens are, them. In they the are, end. Yeah, they're kind of they are <laughs> ideals. You know, like they're not something that can ever actually happen. Yeah. So it's kind of like that sort of like funny quiff like the, I think I even like reference it in the in the book um, uh, I would never want to be um, I would never want to be a member of a club sure. that would have some or I would never want to be in a club that would have someone like me as a member sure. so it's like that kind of thing yeah, it's like a fame with that Groucho yeah. Marx it's a Marx Brothers quote if I'm not mistaken yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like it's like a well, it's a pretty like old like yeah but it's like a thing that I kind of feel like embodies this character a yes. lot well absolutely <laughs> yeah. Because at the end of the day, I mean, you, you, you're torn to this character for you admire on the one hand of her yeah. dedication to art as quote about your highest calling. Yeah. But, uh, but she, it's, it's nothing really. On the other hand, I guess that makes it so that nothing would ever satisfy you. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the kind of general, like, this is like a very negative outlook to have, mm-hmm. but I think that I, I know people like this, I've been like this. And I wanted to explore that outlook to its like natural conclusion, yeah. which ultimately is like this sort of series of like yeah, like self denial, like any sort of uh, achieve, like feeling proud or happy or whatever it is. Which ultimately, like probably that's what you want, like if you're creating art. And like there are just different there are different approaches to like making something where it's like at some point you could say yeah, like 
she's extremely ambitious and like that's yes. a positive trait. Yes. But at the same time the reason why that exists is because it's like it's impossible to ever like create the thing that she feels like she needs to create. There really is a clash between her ambition and uh, yeah. the, the, the point of doing anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah at some point it's like what, what would end up happening is and I want to revisit her character in the future too because yeah. I want her to have some, a, a sort of epiphany at some point. Well, and I think it'll be a fun, a fun thing to touch on. Well, and that's a good yeah. point about this, as perhaps uh, uh, as frustrating and and irritating as this character could be. Yeah. She's also incredibly funny, and yeah. uh, and you have a knack for it's, uh, a hyper articulate, enraged. Rants, uh, um, driven yeah. by, uh, you know, ideals like- <laughs> and, and love of art. Yeah. That also make her abrasiveness. Yeah. So attractive, you know, in the reading. Yeah. And I was kind of, yeah, I'm hoping that people kind of reluctantly, uh, enjoy kind of experiencing her, like, uh, self-destruction in a way. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like you're watching this happen and it's like, Everything is going your way. Like, why are you so sad? Because that's what's ironic, <laughs> yeah. and I won't, I won't yeah. say it. But really, yeah. as disappointed as she is in everyone, including herself, mm-hmm. she has a form of really sort of spectacular success. Yes. Yeah. So it's really kind of amazing. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to and do it with, does like... not make her happy. <laughs> there's, like, the, your internal world and your external world. Yeah. Sometimes those things clash so heavily. Um, yeah, and that's those something I wanted to explore, too. Well, tell us a little bit about crimes, because yeah. that was where that's where I actually was introduced to you on a random. I just <laughs> yeah. walked up to your table. I think it was Pyrite Press. Yeah, yeah and, it was Pyrite Press. And uh, so there seems to be some connection between the characters, uh, yeah. hyper articulate, you know, <laughs> artistic women. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I think like a lot of that just comes from writing from my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, this I do like to write about creative people because that's something that I know and I like to delve into the problems that develop um, and like the sort of conflicts you would have in your life Um, yeah so I think like in my mind like whenever I'm creating stories I think they all are in the same universe like these people could know each other yeah yeah and that's kind of something I want to keep doing like um, as I write more stuff in the future especially like yeah with Caroline especially because she's like coming into like this position of like Popularity, yeah. almost. I don't want to take too much away, but uh, <laughs> unpopularity if you're reading the book. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so yeah, I want to reference her again. But yeah, like um, I think they're both emotionally kind of like yeah. uh, dark, I guess, in yeah. some, at some points. But also, I like to throw a few jokes in there. But, yeah. Yes, um, you know, you did. Good. That's I, I should keep repeating that. Yeah, yeah. As you know, as yeah. bleak, <laughs> uh, because really, I mean. Uh, it, it, I mean, Carolyn wrestles, wrestles with the biggest questions of like existence and yeah. purpose, and yeah. you know, and, uh, and it's, but the books are very. Your characters—they're very funny in their in their poisonous <laughs> regrets. <laughs> yeah. But they're you—you you make it funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oddly um, enough, I like to kind of do that. Like, you know, if you're gonna make them cry, you might as well. Yeah. Like have a uh, few jokes in there. Like well, it's like. I don't want it to be too much of a drag to read. But. Well, it's interesting to know that uh, there may be more to yeah. hear from Carolyn. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or and characters I, like Carolyn. Yeah, that's, that's like, definitely, like, you know, as I'm working on, like, future projects. And I've done, like, a lot of mini-zines and stuff, too, mm-hmm. where there are some characters in Cannibal that are referenced in mini-zines. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, okay. who show up. Um, and maybe those will get collected at some point. But, um, yeah, for me, like, it's all... I want them all to be one of this, like, or part of this, like, large... 
larger narratives. I love rote people, and moral. I yeah, love where it. people <laughs> can like interact with each other. Um, and yeah, like that's. I mean, that might be something that's just for me at this point in yeah. time. But in the fu- like in the future, yeah, I plan to make many more books. So. <laughs> well, Kelsey, it's great to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, uh, congrats on the book, and yeah. and hopefully you sell a whole lot of copies of it. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and thanks for being on More to Come. Oh, yeah. Thank you. All right. Hi, uh, I'm here with Lisa Donnelly. Liza. All right, let's start all over. Three, two, one. Hi, I'm here with Liza Donnelly, uh, a New Yorker cartoonist, an author, a curator. Actually, she's really very amazing and wonderful. I'm really thrilled to be talking to her. Liza, how's it going? It's going great. So tell us about the show that's here at MOCA. Uh, it's a show of editorial well, uh, the, the director of the Society of Illustrators, uh, who they run this MOCA Fest, um, invited me to curate, to curate a show about this group that I'm a part of, I've been a part of for over 10 years, called Cartooning for Peace. They're based in France. And uh, it's all about international cartoons and using cartoons as a dialogue across borders. I do a lot of political cartoons as well, as New Yorker stuff. So uh, it's, it's just like a real... Uh, it, it, uh, Cartoon Reviews is part of my heart. I just love the group and I love being a part of it. Yeah, well, the show is fantastic. I mean, it's cartoonists from around the world. You have uh, France, uh, Iran, Cuba. I mean, all of, well, how many countries are, are represented? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. But there's 61. Oh, oh I'm sorry. At the show, I think there's 61 pieces, and so there's 61. Cartoonists. Cartoonists. Right. Uh, there may be several from France, because there's a lot of people in France represented, but uh, there's a lot of countries, and countries you wouldn't even think right. would have cartoonists. Right. Well, every country has cartoonists, though. That's one thing I've discovered. Even if it's not a tradition, like, people are always scribbling something, and, and a lot of it is about speaking out. That's true. Yeah. And many of them don't speak out. That's the other thing that Cartooning for Peace does, is it helps... It helps cartoonists that are in trouble. Right. Uh, and I know there's a lot of groups like that now, but we've been doing it for, for like 12 years. And uh, I don't know, it's just really, it's really, I love knowing people around the world that do the same thing we do. Cause we, and we become close friends because we share this passion for the art form, you know? Right. And your cartoons uh, appear mostly in The New Yorker, is that correct, or where else? Well, I've been with The New Yorker for 40 years, and I'm also a writer, and I've written for, for The New Yorker and for... Uh, the New York Times and uh, CNN and, um, and, uh, and a lot of my political cartoons are on medium.com but I also uh, now I'm the resident cartoonist at CBS News so I do some stuff with digital uh, digital cartooning and, and uh, on air cartooning that's right because you do like just kind of spot illustrations you do kind of like live coverage of uh, events correct? yeah I call it uh, visual journalism it's um, I do it on my on my uh, tablet and I I go I cover events with Withdrawing. Right. And you, you, you're the author of Funny Ladies, which is actually a history of um, uh, the New Yorkers, women cartoonists, um, which um, there's actually been many <laughs> over the history. Well, it's, you, you, you might be surprised. Uh, in 1925, when the magazine was founded, there, were, there was a woman in the first issue. So they've historically been uh, welcoming to women. Uh, the society has not always been welcoming sure. to women drawing cartoons. And so in the middle of last century, there were not any at the New Yorker. But they came back when I started in the 70s, uh, as did Ross Chast and uh, a woman named Nora Carlin. Um, and, and ever since the 70s, it's slowly been increasing, and now it's much more. We have a new cartoon editor. She's a woman, and uh, she's bringing in a lot more diversity. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, there's so many 
Uh, I know Emily Flake is in there now. Uh, you know, Leanna Fink. Uh, it's a whole new generation. It is interesting, though. Uh, I mean, I know Helen Hokinson is a very famous cartoonist who, you know, was uh, actually very popular, correct? She was. Uh, but she didn't write her own jokes, so that seemed to have been, like, her great downfall. Oh, well, I don't know if it was a downfall, but she had a partner, a writing partner that she worked closely with. But there were, there were women, there was there were one that I love, Barbara Sherman, was uh, a very feminist for her time, cartoonist, and she wrote her own ideas. So. Right, that's right. And she, uh, we actually just ran a big story about her because... Uh, her remains were found, yeah. and her family, uh, you know, she kind of died in obscurity, and they found her remains, and they're trying to get her a proper burial all this time later, so that's a sad story. I know. Uh, she was very popular in her time, uh, but she died. You're right, she died sort of so, so, Lisa, let me ask you this. This is something that really bedevils me. Why do you think it is that, uh, you know, like these, like Helen Hogan and Barbara Sherman were very popular in their day, and were known, and I mean, you know, I guess you could say they were pioneers, but then now, then you and Roz were pioneers, and now Emma Thomas is, the new editor is a pioneer. I mean, will we ever stop being pioneers, or will they ever go back and say, oh, by the way, there's been women doing this all along? I know, I know exactly what you mean, because I, I curated another exhibit at the Society of Illustrators last year, and it was really successful. It was about, about, about my, it was based on my book, Funny Ladies, but it was also based on, uh, what, what, what was the seed for the idea was that in, the, in 2017, I think, there was the first issue in the New Yorker where there were more women cartoonists than men. And I thought, i got to do a show. Anyway, it was a really successful show. And during the panel that I had with, with uh, uh, a, a group of women, Roz was among them, I think I said, I said, can we stop doing this? You know, <laughs> I, I don't, the reason why I do these books and why I, I group women together like this is just to show people... Hey, we've been here. We are here. We're doing this. Yeah, I know. It is It is interesting. And I mean, obviously, uh, there's always going to be a lot of voices to fight against. So unfortunately, we do need to keep doing it. But I, I think it's just so important to remember uh, the people who did it long ago. And, you know, they didn't have the Internet. They didn't have, like, yeah. TV, radio necessarily. Uh, they did it just, you know, the hard way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you have another book uh, with called Be the Person Your Dog Thinks You Are. Um, one not really fantastic, you know, so that's sad. But, uh, yeah, t- is that what your most recent book or? Uh, yeah, it's a book I illustrated, um, and it's, the author is, is a, is a, uh, pseudonym. Mm-hmm. Two editors came up with the idea and then they hired me to do it. Oh dear. Yeah, but, uh, that, that is, uh, that is a great, a great idea. Uh, well, Liza, the, the show is up. Unfortunately, by the time you hear this podcast, it won't be, uh, up anymore, but is there any other places that we can see like exhibits of this of your cartooning organization. Oh, yeah, well, it? my website has a lot of stuff about what I'm up to, and LizaDonnelly.com, Liza with a Z, and um, Twitter. I'm, I'm always on Twitter and yeah. Instagram at Liza Donnelly. Yeah, please uh, check all that out. It's really um, a lot of great cartooning, a lot of funny stuff, and also some really important stuff. So thanks again, Liza. It's great to see you again, Heidi. Okay, um, more to come, listeners. We're back for another episode of Stargazing, and I'm going to be talking with PW Graphic Novels. Review editor and our stargazing co-host, Meg Limpley. Hey, Meg. Hello, everyone. We've got a guest on today's show. Oh, yeah, my child, Baker, he is now six months old, is in the room. You may hear him. 
Yeah, we're, we're hoping him to be a silent partner, but we'll find out whether that actually works out. <laughs> so we're going to be talking, as we do every uh, stargazing episode, about starred reviews in PW. So what do we got for this week? We have two books this month, and the first is coming out, in, fa- in fact, is out in mm-hmm. from March by Brian Fees, A Fire Story, published by Abrams Comic Arts. Um, this is a simply but really touchingly drawn uh, graphic memoir of Brian's experience with his wife Karen during the Sonoma County wildfires in 2017. Um, it opens on Monday, my house disappeared. Yeah. Mm. And in fact, during the experience of him and his wife fleeing from the fires, Brian sketched his experience and it was uh, taken up actually by news programs that became a kind of a viral oh. Um, sensation of the like a on the ground comics journalism. Yeah, this book is drawn from those sketches, but it's completely redrawn. So he stepped back and spent time expanding the story. Um, and importantly, I, I found interviewing his neighbors and so other Sonomans' stories uh, fill it out and, mm-hmm. and flush it out. Um, personally, I actually honeymooned in the Sonoma County area. Oh wow! We've gone back quite a bit. I mean, I. It's just, it's an area that really means a lot to me. And then I think what also is really interesting, and like any area like this, it has a lot of tourism, because it's mm-hmm. wine country as well. Um, you have a really interesting kind of like local population where there's a lot of working class, and also people who are retirees. You have a really interesting kind of mix of people from different classes and experiences. And so mm-hmm. he's talking in the book both about the like immediate crisis of fleeing and, le- and getting away from mm-hmm. the fire, but also what it means to try and rebuild your life and how that affects people differently mm-hmm. depending on um, insurance coverage, what kind of resources they have. Yeah, and uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I have not read the entire book. Um, we did run an excerpt uh, mm-hmm. in the Fanatic, PW's new uh, twice a month <laughs> newsletter on uh, comics and pop culture. Uh, um, of, I, I thought a really powerful excerpt that that also uh, uh, makes use of the, some of the elements that you talk about. Um, there's testimony by one of his neighbors. I think one guy who was an FBI agent for yeah, many years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they break the hyper vigilance that you know, yes. his career has brought to him, and how quickly he made the decision to leave. Mm-hmm. In fact, the the piece where Brian talks about with his wife making the decision to leave is so. Um, keenly told and it makes you immediately imagine how you would or wouldn't leave your home if you didn't know if you would be able to return to it and how like unbelievable that decision is and that's like the the, the page where he describes what he takes with him yeah. is just com- like it gets you like I really especially yeah. because he had uh, he had twin girls who are grown and they actually go to stay with his twin daughters mm-hmm. who live together but they of, of the few items they take, they take each of their, like, loveys, which is, like, their comfort doll, like, their yeah. little stuffy animals, and it just it broke my heart. No, yeah. Um, I mean, people may know Brian uh, mm-hmm. from years ago, um, Mom's Cancer. Right, he wrote another, mm-hmm. again, really difficult topic, but beautifully yeah. and simply told. Um the review talks about how, this is a quote, it's the small details that give the telling weight. The black puddles of liquefied trash cans, the remains of Christmas decorations, how Fies has to tell his car insurer that he no longer has a license plate because the car melted. Mm. The search and rescue teams checking bed springs for human bones. Um, and then we end in our start review without pleading or preaching. This affecting record guides readers through the experience of enormous loss, then out through the other side. And if, and if I could just throw in, I just just from the excerpt that we mm-hmm. ran, it, the, it ends on this really powerful note, and I believe the character is Brian's wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she 
recall some small item, but of great emotional value that she just realized, reminded by the story, I think, from their neighbors of something that they had lost. She realized suddenly some really small, but really powerful, emotional, familial item is gone forever. And, you know, yeah, and this... It really does affect you. I mean, we talk a lot about how objects aren't as important as relationships, but objects can carry relationships. And I think that um, there's something like at a meta level about how I've always talked about how graphic novels are going to outlive um, ebook publishing, taking over publishing, because they are objects and are objects themselves that we like to have in our homes. And there's a way that this book about the loss of objects and how meaningful they are is itself an art object. It's kind of a beautiful piece. Yeah. So, yes, a fire story. Fire story. From uh, Abram Comic Arts. So, from that um, somber note, the second book we're going to talk about is actually a satirical, um, wry, and pretty hilarious book, Cannonball, by Kelsey Roten, um, from Uncivilized. And that is out this month, so we're celebrating it in its publication month of April. So, Kelsey had a prior graphic novella, Crimes, but this is her first full-length or debut graphic novel. Um, she writes this character, Caroline Bertram, <laughs> who is um, a young writer just out of um, her MFA program mm-hmm. and who is has an unhappy experience with her family because she didn't feel like they supported her enough. She has a tight-knit queer community that she's part of. But she basically like is going further and further into self destruction. She's drinking heavily. She has she can't really get over her high school girlfriend, um, and she's just convinced that she is a genius and nobody understands her. And the sort of surprising turn of the story is that that is basically true. You know, she gets <laughs> she gets a book published. Not it's not it's a little bit of a spoiler, but it's, I think it will come out. Yeah. Anyone reading the reviews? I and think it's okay. Cool. Yeah, and the second <laughs> half of the book is really about how getting her book published doesn't change her bad attitude. You know, and that in many ways, like this concept of selling out or like being discovered and, and actually having financial gain from it um, isn't necessarily all that it's cracked up to be if you are someone who has uh, a lot of trauma or, mm, yeah. or in mild trauma and actually what's represented in this book. <laughs> yeah, true. Although there, there are moments of real trauma. I mean, the relationship yeah, with her father is pretty <laughs> Traumatic. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm sorry. Uh, she has a really nasty dad. Yeah, who... Now, he's nasty on uh, the basis of two things. First, she's queer. Yeah. And second, because she won't leave the house. Uh, she's, you know, uses her quest for, for, right. art, for, for artistic perfection yeah, to right. sort of, uh, as an excuse, to do nothing mm-hmm. uh, if she can't a, 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 a achieve something that is close to what she thinks is, is right. what's due her. Right. And, uh, I mean, one of the things, and I think we talked about this in this book is that I, I you won't encounter too many protagonists in in modern fiction that are more unlikable, disagreeable right. and annoying as Carolyn Bertram. But she fits this um, trend, right, of like people saying that that uh, there's criticism around writing unlikable female characters. Yeah, right? it is. And in fact, she's um, this sort of great, you know, like the lead catcher in the rye character is also it's a very sure. similar type, yeah. you know, somebody who sneers at the world. Um, and so she's she's following a long tradition of suffering artists. Yeah, and, and as she views herself, she views herself as a you know really as a figure committed uh, to the greatest um, aspirations of art, and mm-hmm. everybody else falls far below uh, you know what she t- sees of herself. Right. There's some great like like. Uh, 
vengeance and envy humor moments, you know, from the, anyone who's sure. ever been close to an MFA program, I, you know, anyone who's known anyone who's ever gone to an MFA program, yeah. the following of one's peers to see what they do or don't get yes. published, um, the kinds of reactions to your own publications, her obsession with certain classmates. Yes. Um, and, and that, you know, she ultimately doesn't appreciate her friend circle. And she turns uh, artistic jealousy uh, into a blood sport. <laughs> I mean, uh, on top of the drinking and, and the general uh, misanthropic behavior. Yeah. Uh, that said, uh, I found this book called Virtually Irresistible to it's read. Pretty funny. There's some great uh, moments. The spite, <laughs> the jealousy... The 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 um the 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 self destructive um, behavior. I hate to say it, but it's incredibly addictive to read. She also had and this, yet, yeah, no, and but, yet, uh, you weirdly pull for this hero yeah, despite herself. Yeah, you want her to um, get up off the floor to recognize the achievement that she's had towards the end. Find. Her fellows, and I actually have a feeling. I feel like, even though it's a, like a sort of devastating close in the book, that she's that's going to happen. Like this has yeah. been, you know, this is a book kind of about an ultimate breakthrough. Um, and we're actually missing talking about one of the main plot points, which is that Cannonball, the title, refers <laughs> to a female wrestler she becomes somewhat obsessed with, and um, which is odd in itself. I mean, she's so committed to the, these aims of high that's art, true, yeah. and yet she's completely addicted to the trashiest right. female wrestling program. Right. That you can. In fact, the wrestler is kind of an idol of hers. Right. Um, and the wrestler shows up in these dream sequences where some of the characters that she's writing in short stories and ultimately in her um, fantasy novel, which she expects to be for adults and then gets picked yes. as a young adult, which is like also like a hilarious comment on the current publishing. And I'm sure... Which happens all the time, by the yeah, way. Books that come in as adult and they're turned into YA exactly. because marketing thinks that they can sell better. Exactly. Um, and it's it's definitely happening in comic publishing right now. Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. So I'm sure for Roten, this is a real comment on that. Um, you, there's a real gold rush right now for YA. Absolutely. Um, so it's a great book. It's really funny. You know, the the marketing copy compared it to Art School Confidential, and his little insider thing, the reviewer who is anonymous, said that that gave them pause. They aren't a fan, and then they were just so delighted and surprised because they felt like it was a very fresh take on these yeah. tropes and characters. Um, I think I think Kelsey is a real talent. I, I read her uh, earlier book you mentioned, Crimes, mm-hmm. which is also this uh, look at two hyper articulate female characters in love with each other, and the the, the dialogue g- goes up in, uh, in is such a powerhouse of nuance and like finely tuned arguments. Um, I, I don't know a better way to to describe it. So it's an, an interesting transition mm-hmm. into a, another book with hyper articulate characters. Right. So I've heard the, the Carolyn's sort of whole thing as she goes into these hyper articulate rants. Yes. Um, including hilariously in one scene where she's got she ma- she lands a major radio spot. <laughs> yes. A kind of fresh air type, uh, you know drive time radio spot mm-hmm. for her book promotion it's like every publicist's worst nightmare she just goes off on air um, and sees the interviewer as like her, her you know foe um, because ultimately uh, even she can't live up 
to her right. own lofty goals of artistic purity. Right. At the end of the day, it's almost as if the old Groucho Marx joke. She doesn't want to be in a part of any club that would have mm-hmm. her. So we should talk really briefly about the art. It's got a vivid pastel. Yeah. I mean, that's how I would describe it, like a yeah, sort of yes. bright-lit pastel. Yes, it really does. And, I mean, it's funny. It's a, it's a combination of cartoony uh, style um, that... I don't know. It's a, it, she's she's got a real distinctive manner to her drawing that I think works very well. It's ultimately a cartoony style, but it's not a cartoony work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, I just think she's really distinctive. She's got a really uh, wonderful style, and I, I'm looking forward to more, more stuff from Kelsey Roten in the future. She has a lot of really nice uh, details in terms of the dress of the character. Mm-hmm. She, she really evokes the scene and the culture of the, these young people and kind of how they hang out, like what how they've connected to their, the way they look. You know, they look like hipster Williamsburg, basically, that's yeah. what takes place in a smaller town. Um, so, you know, we, we say, our star review says, you know, Roten's playful yet brutal meditation on the meaning of success, millennial anxiety about linking artistic profits to self-worth, and the vagaries of a creative spirit is bound to cement her place as a rising comics talent to watch. Yeah. So, Cannonball by Kelsey Roten out uh, in this out. month from Cannonball. Uncivilized Books. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's a small press book. And then we have a larger Abrams press mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you in about a month. See you again.